Well, although we're separated today because of social distancing and we're watching from all sorts of places, all our separate places, we are united by the Holy Spirit whom God has poured into our hearts. We're also united with all of those around the world who come to worship King Jesus. And we don't worship a distant or an absent God but we worship a loving father, that good, good father, who at great cost to himself sent his son into this world in order to redeem it and bring it back to himself. And on this Palm Sunday, we remember that Jesus, the son, willingly and sacrificially rode into Jerusalem because the love that he had for us was greater than the fear of knowing that he was going to suffer and die. Steve spoke last week about some of the questions we're facing because of all that's happening with the coronavirus, and we considered some of those together. But he encouraged us to remember that no matter how much we understand what's going on, there's always going to be a massive amount that we don't understand. And that's why our faith, and our belief in God is based on trust. It's based on hope in the things that he's promised us. And as the Bible says, hope that is seen is not hope at all. And we also depend and rely on his faithful to, faithfulness to us in the past. The strongest kind of faith is not just a leap in the dark where we put our fingers in our ears and refuse to think about the difficult questions that other people are asking that might even be turning them away from God. But neither is it complete, a completely indestructible edifice that has answers to all of those difficult questions. The biggest question that any kind of suffering raises is the theme of theodicy, which is, how could a good God allow evil to flourish? This current situation may be causing us to think about this question much more than usual. But remember that for many in our world at the moment who are facing poverty, wars, natural disasters of other kinds, displacement from their homes... This situation is another one on top of what they're already going through. And so they've had those massive questions already. A book that I read last week, which I found particularly helpful, um, and you can ask me about it. I've got a couple of copies if anyone wants to read them. I'll send them to you. Uh, it's called Creation Untamed, The Bible, God and Natural Disasters. And it's by someone called Terence Fretheim, who is an Old Testament scholar. But today we're going to look at Psalm 8 as our focus, from which I'm going to make four observations. Let's read um, Psalm 8 together. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory in the heavens through the praise of children and infants, you have established a stronghold against your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have set in place, 
What is humankind that you are mindful of them? Human beings that you could care for them? You've made them a little lower than the angels and crowned them with glory and honour. You made them rulers over the works of your hands. You put everything under their feet. All flocks and herds and the animals of the wild, the birds in the sky and the fish in the sea, all that swim in the paths of the seas. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. We've been focusing on some of the Psalms in our midday prayer slots on Facebook Live at midday during the week. And if you've been doing that with us, you might be saying, oh no, not Lynn and another Psalm. (laughs) Um, The great thing about the Psalms is that they were written for corporate worship. They're hymns and poems capturing first and foremost the relationship that God has with his people. Yes, they include theology and wonderful words that we can use for worship, but they also include human emotion, reactions to terrible things that have happened, and questions and lament. We can't always just lift the words in the emotion-packed Psalms as though they are words coming from God, as though he himself is saying them. We have to be interpreters asking questions of the text about who is saying what. But we can enjoy the fact that they're part of our scripture, the word of God, and they're words that help us to have a real relationship with a real God who understands what we're going through. Psalm 8 is actually quite straightforward. It's not a lament or asking lots of questions or dealing with great emotion. It's a really pivotal psalm, though. It's quoted a lot in in, um, other books of the Bible. It's the first psalm that includes worship, and it starts with worship. That's always a good place to start when we're asking questions about difficult things, because it puts our hearts into a place of trusting, trusting the God that we're asking the questions about. Uh, Walter Brueggemann says that this psalm is a worship sandwich. It begins and ends with worship, celebrating that God is king. And the filling of the sandwich is an interesting one, though. It echoes Genesis 1, and it describes God creating the universe and then placing humanity within it as his stewards, made in his image, representing him as his priests. It also looks forwards to the new creation and the role of humanity in that. The New Testament refers to this psalm when it talks about Jesus as the perfect image of God, the perfect human being the firstborn of a new humanity in a renewed creation. The psalm answers quite simply in very few words four basic questions that we can then bring to the bigger question of how God could be allowing this pandemic to cause so much suffering. And these questions are, who is God? Who are we? What were we made for? And how are we going to go about being that and doing what we were made for? So number one, who is God? Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. 
You have set your glory in the heavens, it says. There it is. He is our Lord. He's the king of the whole earth, which he created to resound with his glory. Question number two, who are we? Well, it says, when I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you've set in place, what is mankind that you're mindful of them, human beings that you care for them? You've made them a little lower than the angels and crowned them with glory and honour. We are mere humans, part of the creation But we are crucial in that creation because he set us up as his representatives to rule over his creation. Humanity is like the deputy king of creation, representing and worshipping the true king. Question number three, what were we made for? We were made to be image bearers. We were made to reflect his glory and rule creation accordingly. There it is, it says, you made them rulers over the works of your hands. You put everything under their feet, all flocks and herds and the animals of the wild, the birds in the sky and the fish in the sea, all that swim the paths of the seas. Question four, how are we going to do this? Well, we've already looked at starting with worship is always the place where we begin. Anything, all that we are and all that we do is about recognising that we belong to him and he is our God and creator and king. But that very interesting verse that comes in verse 2 of Psalm 8. It says, Through the praise of children and infants, you have established a stronghold against your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. This is um, a kind of strange verse to have in a grown-up psalm, isn't it? Why does it need to speak about children? Well, I believe it's because they're crucial. (laughs) Just before we had to stop meeting together because of the virus, Liz mentioned earlier that we had our um, kids' takeover service. And the theme of that service was how important it is for us to pass on God's word and his ways and his faithfulness to our children. Um, And before we were talking about catching COVID-19, we were encouraging each other to catch faith from each other. If we're not including our children in our lives of worship, there will be literally no one to pick up from us after we're too old or not around anymore. So it's crucial that the children pick up faith in our loving God. Thinking about Easter and Liz talked about Passover, you know, nearly all of the Jewish festivals had a huge element of drama and ritual. Um, families would get together and they would act out stories of God's faithfulness, reading them and entering into their truths together. Every week, 
For Sabbath, there would be candles lit and prayers said as part of the meals, as well as going to the synagogue or the temple when they could. Once a year, the Passover meal would be eaten with the family and they would reenact God's deliverance from slavery in Egypt. Other festivals included sleeping out in tents to remember God's goodness to them as they had to travel through the wilderness. It's always been in the home and in the family that the faithfulness of God is caught, not taught, as they say. I know it's really hard at the moment being so constrained within the homes with the children, but do cherish the opportunity for all of you to be real and to love each other through the best of times and the worst of times. Okay, let's come back now to this bigger question, having answered those four basic questions. How could a powerful God of love allow this pandemic to cause so much suffering? Bearing in mind the four questions we've already answered, we need to come against the idea that because God created everything and is Lord and King, he is therefore the control centre for everything that happens. He didn't make a machine which he controls. Psalm 8 represents the big story that we find in Scripture from Genesis to Revelation. And that story says that he has put humanity in charge of his creation. We know that humanity's not always done a good job of representing God. And the Bible tells us that there have been moments of recommissioning. Each time, on many occasions, when things have gone wrong um, and things have gone in the wrong direction, God has started again with a new group of people. He makes a covenant with Adam, then he makes a covenant with Noah after the flood and with Abraham and with David. And then the prophets bring, um, they bring uh, God's judgment to the ways that people are treating the earth and the way that they're living together. But the prophets also bring the messages of hope. And then we come to Jesus and God shows his total faithfulness and commitment to his creation in our gospel story. So each time, uh, the context may have been new and different, but the core idea of God choosing people to represent him, to enable his glory and shalom to cover the earth, does not change. So if instead of seeing bad things as a punishment... We understand them as a consequence, one way or another, that God wants to help us to get out of because he doesn't leave us on our own. That is a lot more helpful. He's given us the job of looking after creation, which is so immense and wonderful and has within it incredible beauty and harmony. But it also has within it immense cruelty and danger. So, for example, although this scientific question hasn't been answered properly yet, um, I'm just going to put forward some ideas that have been floating around, which I'm sure there is some truth in. Scientists are saying that the coronavirus probably originated in bats. Yuck. (laughs) 
<laughs> I don't like bats. Apparently, bats carry many viruses. They were probably responsible for the SARS outbreak of 2002 and 2003, which did not have a great impact on our part of the world, but on others it did. And it involved a different strain of coronavirus. Now, the thing is, apparently, diseases won't transfer directly from bats to humans because they exist mainly outside of our orbit. And um, in my dummy speak, uh, because humans don't have the software to pick up a virus from a bat, these viruses need um, an intermediary host animal in order to transfer it to humans. They think, for example, that SARS was transferred from bats to humans through the civet, um, a small mammal whose meat is considered a delicacy in China. And the mare's outbreak was thought to have been passed through a camel. Because the source of the current coronavirus, which transmits COVID-19 to humans, was uh, first thought to come from a wild animal market in Wuhan, China, there's been some research that suggests that a very rare animal, apparently Prince William's favourite animal, called the pangolin, may have been the intermediary host on this occasion. There has been much illegal trading of these and um, they've, they're used as a delicacy. Um, they fetch the most ridiculous amount of money in illegal trade. The reason I'm giving you this information is not so that we can play a blame game, um, but it's just to illustrate that this pandemic has come from within creation, probably from the virus within bats. It's not come from heaven as a punishment for anything. But also there's no blame game for the people that it's come from either because all of us are learning in this world to be good stewards of creation. And we need each other. We need the scientists. We need the law. We need all of these things to turn the chaos that is sometimes found in nature to our benefit and our good. One could reasonably ask the question, why did God entrust creation to humans? Um, and that is actually a very good question, but um, we'll come back to that later. Um, because if we ask too many questions, then we're never going to be very useful. Uh, because God wants us to be part of the solution and not part of the problem. One of the ways, the really crucial ways, is at the moment for those of us um, in this country and for us in this church, is that we listen and adhere to what we're being asked to do by our government. Um, there are very real reasons why if we're older or we have certain health conditions, we shouldn't be going out because that makes much more possibility that we will catch the virus. Um, so we need to stay indoors. And also, we might be carriers of the virus, and so we don't want to be going around and mixing with people, and we need to be social distancing and isolating and doing all those things that are asked of us. And these things are not separate to our spiritual lives. You know, we're not spiritual people sometimes, and 
physical people another time. All of this comes together. And so our being part of what is happening in our country is part of who we are in our spiritual lives and our physical lives. It's part of what it means to be human at the moment. We're facing a common enemy and we must respect and adhere to what we're being asked to do. We want to protect our NHS and our, the health of all of us and our nation and our world. And um, the war on COVID-19 needs to be fought together. As those who know Jesus, who love him, we're part of his body, a massive thing we can do is to pray and to be the body of Christ together, even in our separateness. As his priests who he's put on this earth to look after it and be good stewards, we lift up our songs of praise and worship and we seek his glory on the earth. Just as normal, we pray against symptoms and sickness with the authority Jesus has given us to do. And in the same way that we would seek medical help if we're ill, um, we always go to God and we pray against those viruses and symptoms in the name of Jesus. Because sickness is not part of heaven and we pray that his kingdom comes on earth just as it does in heaven. We've been really fortunate, haven't we, and found ourselves in a really wonderful place of being able to help distribute supplies to those people who need it most. And as I'm standing here, I can see all of the um, storehouse stuff around the auditorium. What an amazing thing that at this time of such unprecedented danger, we're all pulling together to serve the people of Aylesbury as well as our families and friends and direct neighbours. And it's so good to be able to appreciate all that the volunteers and staff are doing in Storehouse. We must keep encouraging them and we must also keep in touch with those that we are connected to normally in church. Uh, Sunday um, Sunday teams, connect groups, prayer triplets, friendship groups and families together because together we are the body of Christ. We can never truly represent him as being individuals which is why it's such a challenge at this time to stay together and to encourage one another and our connectedness is crucial. In fact, it's our connectedness um, which brings us back to that question, why would God entrust the world to humans? The reason is because we're his children, we're made in his image and he loves us and he's made this world for us. But it's part of his good creation. It's not just for us to use and abuse. We know that Adam and Eve um, made the mistake of listening to the serpent instead of trusting God. And that image of God never totally left humanity, uh, but it became blurred and it became distorted. And then it became fully restored in Jesus Christ, the perfect human who imaged God in the way that he lived, in the way that he was obedient to death and in the fact that he rose from the dead because death could not hold him down. The Bible says that he's the first of new creation and all of us now follow him. 
And those of us who believe and love him have a responsibility to lift our lives and our voices in worship to him. We have a responsibility to reflect his glory and we have a responsibility to live this out so convincingly that our children catch it and they sing his praises too. And this abates the enemy. So... In this time of chaos and great challenge, there will be a new beginning after this where we make new decisions. Um, we need to make decisions about, create, about treating creation better, don't we? And some of us may need to make different directions in our careers. As the people of God, we need to hold on to the fixed points of our faith which doesn't change, but also to be prepared to hear God give us a new commission. What's, go, what's that going to look like post-coronavirus? You know, maybe some of our children, because of this, will be some of those great scientists. Maybe they'll be ones who want to work in politics and within ethics um, in the world. Uh, they might want to go and be doctors and nurses and all, all the people who are serving us at the moment, I'm sure this is going to affect people's choices um, and we need to invest in those things that God is saying to us at this time for the future. Let's meditate on the scriptures together. Let's share stories of how Jesus has helped us in our difficult days. Let's share praying together for healing and let's share each other's grief when we're sad. Let's be content in knowing that we're part of God's good plan for his world. And if he could have hope and trust in us, then we can have hope and trust firstly in him and then in one another. Let's help each other when we're anxious. Let's be real enough to allow ourselves and each other to have bad days, but let's also share when we're having good days. Let's not give in to despair. Always ready to rebuke and challenge the enemy in whatever way he presents himself to us. I want to share two very simple uh, bits of scripture which I believe are pertinent to us at the moment. And when our minds feel blown and our hearts feel heavy, let's just remember these. One is Job 28.28. 28. This is wisdom speaking. And he said to the human race, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. And to shun evil is understanding. That idea of fear doesn't mean to be afraid. It means to respect and to have awe for and to trust the love of God and to shun evil. That's pretty simple, isn't it? And the other one is in Luke 10, 27. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbour as yourself. If we forget the rest, let's remember these. And with the power of the Holy Spirit, we will more than get through this.